Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Mysteries podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing great. Coming at you live from the funny farm once again. It was quiet around here for a while, but Melissa, we had a very (gasps) exciting thing happen. (laughs) What happened exactly? I still didn't quite understand how this could have happened again. Yeah. So I have been outside kind of all day doing chores around, you know, washing out my car and things like that. And my husband was kind of in and out and he was out there and he heard like a cat, the sound of a cat crying. And he thought it sounded like a baby. I thought it sounded like maybe another animal. It didn't necessarily sound like a cat to me. You know where we live, Melissa. It's kind of like right. in the woods and there's other animals that it could just There's be. a lot of guesses you could there's make before you even got to cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and even if it was a cat, I would just assume like, oh, some feral cat just has its baby out somewhere crying, sure. wailing away or something. So anyway, I made a joke to my older son who has been asking to have a cat forever, right? And I jokingly said hey, if you can go find whatever that is that's crying like that, you can keep it. Well, of course, I'm thinking. Now, that's a wild thing because that could be several things you could have ended up with it, <laughs> with today. Yeah. So um, that's what – so he was like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, of course I'm thinking like you're never going to find whatever this is. We don't even know what it is. But whatever it is, it's going to have to be hidden. Like I'm thinking he's never going to find an actual animal. Well, 
I was wrong. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He just was so nonchalant about it. He walked right over to where it was, and I thought he was joking with Like, I thought he was pranking me. Um, uh-huh. He was like, he's like, oh, yeah, it's a cat. Um, and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, he goes, it's a baby one. And I was like, you're kidding. And uh, sure enough, no, there was a little tiny little kitten. And um, yeah, it's really small. I think it's about, we think it's about five weeks old, maybe. So, Oh, wow. Skip to names. I want to know names. What's the name? I don't know. I think he said he wants to name Ugh. it Felix. Okay. I can get behind that one. It's okay. It's all right. I feel like it's like an old-timey common name for a cat. But then Felix I remember, the cat. Like, yeah, but then, of course, my son isn't that old, so he hasn't had the opportunity ever to name a cat Felix. So to me, I'm like, why would you use that name? But to him, yeah. he's just discovering all the classic pet names. So. Oh, yeah. Well, there was this show, Felix the Cat. It was a cartoon, the wonderful, oh, wonderful yeah. cat. Yeah. Um, What's better than Fluffy? We had a cat. Uh, for not very long. I don't know what happened, where it went, but it was named Fluffy. And um, I think about Fluffy a lot, but I really wish we could have changed your name. It was a terrible name. <laughs> I, I know people have Fluffies, but I was like, to my kids, I'm like, this is just not very original. I really wanted a fun name, and they took that from me. So, Aww. Yeah, you know, so, devastating. yeah. So we'll see what happens with Felix the Cat. Of course, now we've already named it and everyone's already attached to it. It is super sweet. Well, it didn't take you long to get a new pet. You started with one <laughs> dog recently, got another one, and I've just been waiting for pigs or something to get in yep. there. So a cat yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know. Probably welcome to the family, Felix the Cat. <laughs> no, he's there. I mean, come on. At this point, it's over. As soon as you showed me a picture, I was like, okay, that's their new cat. That's just how it is. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Melissa, you are f- literally just freshly home from a trip to the Big Apple. The Big Apple, yeah, I was there a couple days. I got to see uh, Watch What Crappens, which is one of my favorite podcasts. They were so great, so funny, so nice. Um, got to meet them afterwards, and uh, it was just so cool. It was just one of those really neat experiences that um, that I'm. I'm excited. I told Mandy a crazy story that happened that has to do with being tall and other people being rude. And that's all I'm going to say <laughs> about that. But um, I got to hang out with uh, Rebecca, who I co-host Criminality with. And so um, she loves Watch What Crappens too. So we got to see that and stuff. And it was just, it was kind of fun to feel like I didn't have any responsibilities for like two days. And yeah, nobody could ask me where anything was, but I could ask everyone else, where's the train or where's, I, I learned they say train. They don't say subway. Cause I was like, what subway? She was like, it's a train. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Oh no, gosh. she's like, that's how you know you're not who's from, from here and here. Who's yeah. Not. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, glad to be back. Just got home a few hours ago and so ready to share this week's new story. Yes, me too. And it is, there's a lot to this one. So we won't waste any more time. We're going to get straight into the story for this week. So it was a balmy morning in Dallas, Texas on October the 8th, 2020, as Jamie and Jennifer Faith began to start their day. The couple had just celebrated their 15th wedding anniversary the night before, and they were preparing to take their dog out for a morning walk before they began their daily routine. Since March of 2020, the couple had both been at home due to the COVID pandemic. Jamie was a highly skilled software engineer who made a career in technology. In 2017, he began serving as the director of technology at American Airlines. His wife, Jennifer, had once worked as a speech pathologist, but she had been promoted to working as a regional director of therapy. 
The faith couple lived in a house in the 1000 block of South Waverly Drive in an average neighborhood. It was around 7.30 that morning when the couple left their house to take a walk. Jennifer, who was walking the dog, walked outside first, and Jamie followed shortly behind them. Just as they started their walk, Jennifer heard the sound of footsteps approaching quickly from behind. When she turned to see who was coming, all she saw was the figure of a person who raised their arm up and began to fire shots in the direction of the faiths, striking Jamie more than half a dozen times. At 7.35 a.m., neighbors in the area reported that 49-year-old Jamie had just been shot outside of his home. Responding officers found Jamie lying on the ground in front of a vacant house that was directly next door to the Faith home. It would later be confirmed that he had been shot seven times, three in the head, three in the chest, and once in the groin. Jamie was pronounced dead at the scene. Jennifer had miraculously been completely unharmed, so she was transported to the police station so the detectives could get an official statement about what had happened. According to Jennifer, the couple had just stepped outside to walk their dog right before the shooting happened. She provided the police with surveillance footage from their home that showed them leaving that morning at 7.33 a.m. Jennifer was extremely emotional as she talked about hearing the sound of footsteps coming up behind them. She said that she heard, quote, a lot of shots and that she started yelling and tried to run. Jennifer said that the unknown suspect tackled her to the ground, put duct tape around her hands, and started hitting her while she was still on the ground. He then tried to take her jewelry, but he fled when Jennifer kept screaming for help. Jennifer said that this whole scene unfolded right in front of the vacant house that was directly next door to their home. According to Jennifer, the gunman was a man with a medium build, wearing a blue neck gaiter over his face and a hooded jacket or sweatshirt. His eyes appeared to be black or very dark. Jennifer said that nothing was taken from the faiths in this attack. She didn't provide any description for a getaway vehicle the shooter may have been using. Jennifer spoke with the police throughout the morning and agreed to let them look through her phone. Sometime later in the afternoon, Jennifer started having what was called a medical episode, and she ended the interview. Back at the scene, investigators worked to process all the evidence. They found shell casings and reviewed the surveillance footage of the Faiths leaving their home that morning. Jennifer could be heard screaming from off-camera moments later and could be heard sobbing hysterically after the shots were fired. Neighbors in the immediate area told officers that they heard the gunshots and looked outside. Some neighbors reported that when they looked outside, they saw the gunmen getting into an older model black Nissan truck before fleeing the area. The truck was actually caught on the surveillance cameras of one of their neighbors, and detectives were able to determine that the truck in question looked to have a white T emblem on the lower left side of the back window. The T looked like it was a symbol for the Texas Rangers baseball team. Other surveillance footage from nearby neighbors were able to help investigators document the route the gunman took while leaving the crime scene, but unfortunately, none of the footage was clear enough for them to be able to make out the license plate on the truck. When Jennifer was asked if she knew anyone who drove a truck with a similar description, she said no. Investigators made it a priority to search for the truck. Very quickly after Jamie was murdered, a neighbor set up a GoFundMe that ended up raising over $60,000 for Jennifer and her daughter. The donations really just started pouring in. Neighbors also set up a meal train for Jennifer. So although Jennifer and Jamie had been married for 15 years, Jennifer had been married twice before she met him. 
When Jennifer first met Jamie, she had a daughter from a previous marriage who was eight years old at the time. But Jamie embraced his stepdaughter, and he really treated her like his own. He was very supportive, and he attended her dance recitals and other big things in her life. The faith couple actually first met on a blind date that Jamie's friends had set up. It was back in 2005, and Jamie was 34 at the time and living in Arizona. He had pretty much accepted at this point that he was probably never going to get married. He thought that he was going to be a lifelong bachelor. Jamie was originally from Wisconsin, where he grew up and lived until after he graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. He was passionate about his career in technology and mentoring others on the same career path. Jamie was described as being a very fun-loving and sweet guy who literally was liked by everyone. One friend and a neighbor of the faith couple said that Jamie really cared about people and that meant a lot. But as the years passed and Jamie still hadn't settled down, it seemed like the married life wasn't meant to be for him. When Jamie was first introduced to Jennifer in 2005, things really changed. He was instantly attracted to her. She was 33, and they got along great and had a lot in common. As the relationship progressed, Jamie started to really visualize a future with Jennifer. They ended up getting married in 2012 in Las Vegas. When Jennifer's daughter turned 18, Jamie even legally adopted her. In 2017, the couple relocated to Dallas after Jamie got a promotion at work. They settled in the house on South Waverly Drive, and those that knew the couple said they seemed really happy and they were still getting along great. In the wake of Jamie's murder, investigators looked through Jennifer's phone as part of their investigation. They learned that Jennifer had been having an emotional affair and that Jamie knew about it. A text that was sent to a friend on April 20th, 2020 read, quote, So I have no idea when I'm going to be able to talk to you over the phone, but I'm pretty much having a full-blown emotional affair. And Jamie knows it, end quote. She told her friend that the guy was someone that she had dated in high school, and this was a guy named Darren Ruben Lopez. Back then in high school, things were really pretty serious between the couple, and they even had plans to get married. But after Darren enlisted in the army and was deployed to South Korea, they decided to go their separate ways. Jennifer wasn't interested in being an army wife. She actually wanted to just finish her schooling. It wasn't long after Darren left that Jennifer met the man who would become the father of her daughter. Darren ended up going to the special forces and he served for 26 years. At some point, he also got married and started a family of his own. At some point, though, Darren suffered a traumatic brain injury from a roadside bomb in Iraq that killed 19 soldiers in his unit. During this time, he received a Purple Heart. After leaving the Army, Darren bought a house on 20 acres in Tennessee. By that time, Darren was going through a divorce and raising his daughters. Jennifer said that the affair with Darren began on March 17, 2020, after Darren found her. Probably, I'm assuming, social media, something like that, reached out. So according to what Jennifer told her friend, she and Jamie had not been intimate in over four years at that point, and she was talking to Darren constantly throughout the day, every day. Investigators confirmed this to be true. They found tens of thousands of messages and calls between Jennifer and Darren from March to October of 2020. The two were really constantly in contact. When Jennifer's friend asked her how Jamie felt about this, Jennifer said that he was, quote, scared and sad, end quote. On May 2nd, Jennifer texted her friend again and said that she and Darren had really discussed this long-term plan. 
She said Darren's five-year plan was to get Jennifer to move to Tennessee to be with him. On August the 6th, her friend texted her, quote, you still talking to that guy? Jennifer told her that she had put the brakes on this affair, and she said she just couldn't do it anymore, and she really realized how much this was hurting her husband, Jamie, and it was causing him to internalize everything. However, while it sounds nice, this wasn't actually the truth. Jennifer did continue to text and call Darren all day long. They never did meet up in person. Uh, they never did anything physical. This entire affair was carried out over the phone with through texts and calls and emails. So when the detectives looked through Jennifer's phone, you know, it became really clear that not only were they having this affair, but there were some messages that appeared to be missing that were sent back and forth with Darren in the days and weeks that were leading up to the murder. So naturally, this is making them a little bit more suspicious that there's more than just an affair going on. They started to look into Darren, and one of the first things they learned about him was that he actually owned a black Nissan Titan truck, and that matched the description of the gunman's vehicle. This was really an amazing lead, and the investigator's next move was to conduct aerial surveillance of Darren's residence in Tennessee. So during this flyover of Darren's property, authorities observed this black Nissan truck that was parked on his driveway, and they noticed that it did have a white T emblem on the lower left rear window. So upon closer inspection, it was noted that this was not the symbol for the Texas Rangers like they first thought, but instead it was the T that is the symbol for the University of Tennessee. So this astonishing finding led the investigators to believe that Darren was the gunman they were looking for and that he was the person who killed Jamie. Since it appeared that Darren had traveled out of state to commit the murder, the Dallas PD and ATF started a joint state and federal investigation into the murder. And we're going to get into what they uncovered after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. In 2023, we've all had to become savvy shoppers. And if you're looking to take it up another level, check out Rakuten, the smartest way to save money when you shop. Whether we want to spend money or not, it's really inevitable. So why not get cash back on those things you're already buying? Things like fashion, electronics, even home essentials and travel. And honestly, that's really not even the half of it. There are over 3,500 stores that you can earn cash back from with brands like Walmart, Bloomingdale's, Levi's, and even Fenty Beauty. And here's the part where you're like, what's the catch? Well, there is no catch. You can sign up for a membership with Rakuten, which, by the way, is absolutely free. Plus, signing up is so easy. Even a husband can do it. As he should, so he can earn cash back to be deposited into your PayPal account. Or you can even get a good old check. I started using Rakuten when I heard it on one of my favorite podcasts a few months ago. I'm already earning cash back on the things I'm already buying. It's super easy, and it's much easier than clipping coupons. And even better, because you're earning cold, hard cash. Check it out and see all the ways that you can make Rakuten earn for you. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. Go to Rakuten.com now or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As wedding season descends upon us, Honey Love has got you covered at the perfect moment. 
Whether you're a blushing bride, a flabbergasted guest, or just someone trying to look snatched on the daily, Honey Love is your trusty sidekick for all things shapewear. They've taken compression technology and really turned it up to an 11. Say goodbye to feeling like a squeezed sausage and say hello to a shapely transformation that'll have heads turning. Sometimes just hearing the word shapewear can literally make me recoil, but Honey Love is all about the support plus comfort. And one of my favorite pieces is the Honey Love best-selling Superpower Short. It has targeted compression technology, which means it gives you more support in places you need it and less where you don't. Plus, their Signature X targets and sculpts your midsection, but doesn't squeeze your natural curves. It's literally designed to work with your body, not fight against it. In this world, there's J-Lo butts and there's pancake butts. I fall somewhere around Hank Hill, which is to say that sometimes just sitting hurts because I literally don't have a butt. But the Superpower Short literally has a booty lifter thanks to their boost bands on the back of the thighs, which means even my rear end can have an amazing shape. But one of my absolute favorite features with Honey Love is that it doesn't slide down, which if you've ever worn shapewear is literally a miracle. So you can just have fun and be free without feeling the constant need to fix your shapewear. Treat yourself to the best shaper on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com with the code MOMS20. Use code MOMS20 at honeylove.com. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we have the police looking into Darren, who was having an emotional affair with Jennifer, the wife of Jamie Faith, who had just been killed um, outside their home in Dallas, Texas. And at this point in the story, police are realizing that Darren is very likely the shooter that they're looking for. His truck matches the description. They're able to um, have aerial surveillance, which I thought was pretty interesting to look at his truck to get a really good view of it and find out that the emblem on the back of his truck matches what uh, witnesses saw leaving the scene that day. So meanwhile, Jennifer has no problem speaking to the media as a grieving widow. She was even giving interviews from the site of Jamie's murder. In one such interview, she said, quote, We walked out the door and we made it to the house right behind you. And I heard running behind me and I turned around and the shooting just started. The guy kept shooting and shooting. A neighbor said they saw him attempt to shoot me and the gun was empty. I was running up this driveway and he tackled me, started beating on me and taped my hands together, end quote. She said to the media at this point, no one had been arrested, but there was a description of a truck out there. She said, quote, Somebody has to know whose truck this is. It's a black Nissan Titan extended cab. It has a Texas Rangers sticker in the back window. So it was very distinctive from that point, end quote. Jennifer also spoke about how devastated she was over the loss of her husband. After weeks had passed, she told a reporter that she felt like the case had gone cold and there just wasn't much communication from investigators. Jennifer pleaded with the killer to turn themselves in and said, quote, I just hope that at some point, maybe this person can recognize the gravity of what they've done and feel some sort of guilt enough to come forward. But ATF special agents were behind the scenes doing surveillance on Darren. On December 4th, 2020, they saw that there was a new white emblem of some sort on Darren's truck that had not been there prior. A few days later, it was noted that the University of Tennessee symbol had been removed from the truck. It wasn't long after this that they were able to obtain a warrant for Darren's phone and his bank records, and they were able to dig in even deeper to see what Darren had been up to. 
They were able to see that right before the murder, Jennifer and Darren were still communicating nearly constantly every day, including 1,500 instances of contact between October 5th to 7th alone. But interestingly, in the 48 hours prior to the shooting, there was a, quote, highly inconsistent pattern of contact, end quote, between the two of them. They were talking way less than usual in those 48 hours before Jamie's death. So the day before the murder, which was October 8th, This was Jamie and Jennifer's 15th wedding anniversary. Investigators found over 100 texts between Jennifer and Darren on that day, but then their communication fizzled out around 1 p.m. when Darren sent a final message to Jennifer. The two did not contact each other for another 28 hours. It was discovered that for a big chunk of this 28 hours of silence, Darren's phone was powered off, but detectives were still able to track some of his movements. I'm always interested when people turn their phone off like to not be tracked like that's kind of the thing but like in this day and age nobody powers their phone off so it's almost more uh suspicious when you do power your phone off for sure had it just been on Mm -hmm. you would be almost better off just leaving your phone at home and not even bothering taking it with you at all (laughs) like absolutely yeah It was learned that at 2.01 on October 8th, almost one hour after Darren sent his final text to Jennifer, he used his Google GPS app to get directions from his home in Tennessee directly to Jamie and Jennifer's house in Dallas. He literally put in their exact home address, which like you said, this was in, this is not like that long ago. This is 2020. Like he put in their actual home address into his Google GPS and thought that the police were never going to find that. That's wild to me. So yeah. um, so they were able to actually track Darren's phone as he was traveling from Tennessee to Texas. And they also were able to use his debit card purchases to confirm this trip as well. They saw that at about 5 o'clock that evening, Darren actually made several purchases in Arkansas that included snacks and Red Bulls. And while he was in Arkansas, he also stopped at an ATM to pull out cash. He was seen on the surveillance footage wearing a blue face gaiter that matched the description of the one Jennifer said the gunman who shot her husband was wearing. Darren was also captured on video standing next to his black Nissan truck. He made one last purchase for gas at 5.09 p.m., and his card wasn't used again until 10.27 on October 9th, which was over 30 hours later, at which point he was back in Tennessee. The investigators thought that Darren likely pulled out the cash at that ATM so that he would be able to use it to buy whatever he needed on his trip back home without being tracked, but like we said before, he kind of dropped the ball a couple of other times Right. With being tracked. But yeah, sure. I guess stopping at the ATM, you know, that's the, that's going to be your ticket, right? To not getting caught. Right. So unfortunately for Darren, though, his phone records ended up showing the real truth. In the early morning hours of October 9th, Darren's phone was tracked a block away from Jamie Faith's house. At about 2.30 a.m., their ring security camera that was facing Jamie and Jennifer's backyard was activated and the image of a man matching Darren's description was recorded. Darren could be seen in this footage um, in the backyard of the vacant home next door, wearing the same clothes and the same blue mask that he had on at the gas station in Arkansas hours earlier. They concluded that Darren must have stayed in the vacant house's yard and just waited until he had the opportunity to ambush Jamie. At about 7.35 a.m., when Jamie and Jennifer stepped out to walk their dog, Darren sprung into action, shooting Jamie several times before fleeing. He headed straight back to Tennessee right after the shooting. 
At 5.18 that evening, Darren turned his phone back on and sent a text to Jennifer. It was the first text he'd sent her since 1.07 the day before. Investigators don't know what the contents of the message were, but they believe he was letting Jennifer know that he made it back home. Jennifer responded to this message at 5.41, and they continued to text back and forth for the next several hours, about 50 messages in total. At 10.37 p.m. that night, Darren started to search for articles about Jamie's death, and he continued to look up articles throughout the investigation. As the days passed after the murder, Jennifer and Darren continued talking more and more every day. On average, they were in contact with each other more than 500 times a day. That's a lot. How do you do anything else? Yeah, that's a lot. That's just constantly being on your phone. Yeah, that's... Are you breathing? Are you eating? What can you even do in between that? That, That is a lot of contact. So at some point, detectives also learned that Darren was at least four months behind on his mortgage and foreclosure had been initiated. His water had also been shut off due to non-payment that month as well. It was clear that Darren was really struggling financially. And in the months before Jamie's murder, Jennifer sent Darren and his daughters money and gifts. They'd later find out she'd given him financial assistance after the murder as well, but we'll have more on this later. Based on all the evidence that strongly pointed towards Darren being the gunman that killed Jamie, investigators theorized that Darren drove from his home in Tennessee to the Faith's home in Texas where he laid in wait until the early morning when he approached Jamie from behind and shot him seven times before fleeing back to Tennessee in his Nissan Titan with the distinctive T decal on the back window. By January of 2021, investigators had enough to obtain a warrant for Darren's arrest. Their plan was to arrest him on January 11th. The day before this arrest, investigators called Jennifer and asked her to come down to the station the next day for an interview. They were intentionally setting it up so that Jennifer would be there for an interview at the same time that they were arresting Darren in Tennessee. I love that. That's so smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next day, everything went as planned and Darren was arrested and charged with one count of transporting a firearm in interstate or foreign commerce with the intent to commit a felony offense. So he faced up to 10 years in federal prison for this charge, and he pleaded not guilty. Darren's home and vehicles were searched, and a gun with ammunition and some military patches belonging to Darren were found in one of his cars, not the Nissan truck, though. They also found a face mask that matched the one the shooter was wearing, as reported by Jennifer. So what I find so wild about this story is that Jennifer gave the police a real description of Darren. Like she literally said he was wearing a blue face gator and he drives a black truck with a T in the back window. She didn't have to give all that information and she could have given fake information. Like it's wild to me to think that their, their plan was to get away with this, to be together. But then she literally went and drew the police a map to how to find Darren. Like I don't understand. I just don't understand it. Officers found a large box on Darren's front porch that had been delivered by FedEx. It was addressed to Darren from Jennifer. They figured out that at one point, the box actually had a large flat screen TV in it, and they found the TV box inside of Darren's home. The TV was unopened at the time. She had just recently shipped him this new TV, and he hadn't even had a chance to really take it out of the box yet. So inside the house, detectives also found a tan satchel containing another gun, an unopened can of Red Bull, and two DVDs, which the officers believed were purchased at that gas station he stopped at in Arkansas. 
The gun found inside this satchel was a 45 caliber Smith & Wesson that was taken for ballistics testing and soon determined to be the murder weapon. Not only did the gun match the shell casings at the scene, but DNA confirmed that there was blood belonging to Jamie on the gun as well. The gun ended up being traced back to a foreign arms dealer from Belgium. At 2.44 p.m. that day, while the officers were carrying out warrants at Darren's place, Jennifer sent him a text that said, everything okay. She had no idea that he had actually already been arrested. Jennifer did end up going to her scheduled interview with the police that day. She told him that she and Darren were just old friends, and he had been going through a really difficult divorce. Also in this interview, Jennifer told the police that she and Jamie were very happy prior to his murder. She did admit that she had provided money or some other financial benefit to her new friend Darren, but she said it was only because of the financial hardship that he was facing due to his pending divorce. Following this interview, investigators downloaded the contents on Jennifer's phone, and they learned that she had recently done a factory reset pretty much right before their meeting. Obviously suspicious. Yeah. However, deleting your phone's content is, I guess, not something they can arrest you for, so Jennifer was not arrested (laughs) that day. (laughs) Darren was officially charged at the state level with one count of murder on January 22nd. He would be facing the death penalty for this charge, and he pleaded not guilty and refused to speak with investigators further. They still believe that Jennifer was also involved in the murder in some way, so they would have to continue building their case against her without Darren's cooperation. Jennifer, though, continued to try to get in touch with Darren after his arrest. At one point, she even texted a third party to pass along a message to Darren. She texted, quote, I hate to ask this, but I don't know what else to do. I need to let Darren know that I am with him. We'll always be with him, regardless of whatever has happened. I've just needed to be cautious because every communication is being monitored. Can you please pass along that message? Please tell him ASAP. I will always be his, end quote. And then Darren replied through the third party and said, quote, Thank you for sending me messages. Hearing from you gives me strength. You will always be cherished. I do know how you feel. Together we can get through this. I believe in my heart. Please stay strong for us, in all caps, your night always, as you wish, end quote. And obviously, as you wish is Princess Bride. And that's another reason for me not to like that movie. Once Darren was arrested, investigators were able to go through his cell phone. And thankfully, they were able to extract text exchanged with Jennifer that had previously been deleted and inaccessible. Many of these recovered texts incriminated both Darren and Jennifer. Some examples of these texts were sent between September and October, which was the month leading up to Jamie's murder. Darren told his daughter, who was a minor at the time, that Jennifer and her dog were going to be moving to Tennessee to live with them. On October 8th at 7.34 p.m., while Darren was driving to Dallas to carry out this murder, his daughter actually sent a text to Jennifer that said, quote, "'Have you heard from my dad?' I haven't been able to contact him today, which is weird, end quote. And Jennifer, knowing what's going on, writes back and says, quote, he is camping or something with whoever. Shooting, camping, he said he wouldn't have cell service for a few days. Yeah, I think he left around two this afternoon, end quote. On November 30th, several weeks after the murder, Darren and Jennifer talked about deleting old texts. Darren said that he had actually reset his phone in order to delete old text messages. He tried to simply erase them, but he said they just kept popping back up. Couldn't figure out why, but he assured her that all the texts were erased now. 
So upon hearing that all of his texts were finally erased for good, Jennifer replied, quote, big smile over here at that. And then literally two minutes after this conversation about deleting incriminating evidence in a murder case, they switched gears and went straight from talking about that to some really raunchy and disgusting talk. Haley included it to make us read it, and it would never How make it into you, the Haley? podcast. But mm-hmm. they, these two were something else. Let they me had say. a lot to say. Yeah. And they, none of it. They wasted no time getting straight read. to the point. Uh, Very much to the point. (laughs) On December the 3rd, many, many more damning texts were exchanged between Jennifer and Darren. We mentioned earlier that Jennifer had done an interview the day before on December 2nd where she was acting like a grieving widow, and she specifically brought up this distinctive T-sticker that she saw on the gunman's truck. Well, detectives found that on the following day, which is December 3rd, Jennifer texted a link of the article talking about this to Darren, and then they also texted back and forth regarding the sticker. Jennifer said to Darren, so I woke up in a little bit of a panic. Something's eating away at me, telling me you need to take the sticker out of the back window of your truck. Well, of course, because she's now told the police that it's that that was Something's there. eating away so, at me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She said, quote, it might just be me overthinking or something, but I'll feel a ton better if you take it off and clean the window really, really well. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Thank you for setting me up for this one. So uh, Darren wrote back, good morning, Angel. I love you. (laughs) Again. Great. Like, like, get to the point. Right. The way they switch back and forth between, like, we got to hide evidence to I love you so much is just baffling to me. Um, so he also said, I've been working on that sticker a little at a time when the truck is here, trying to get it off looking like it's just wearing off. He said his daughter gave him the sticker, so didn't want to just take it off all at once because his girls would notice that. But he said he'd been working on taking it off slowly. So Jennifer then just says, okay, good. Thank you. So later on that same day, December 3rd, they texted about what they should tell the detectives about Jennifer and Jamie's marriage prior to the shooting. Jennifer said, quote, if for some reason the detective ever questioned you and asked you about my relationship with Jamie, you would tell them it was as good as far as you knew, right? And she said, just want to make sure you would never say anything that would stick out. Darren said, exactly. Nope, won't say anything contrary to that. On December 4th, Darren and Jennifer talk about this sticker once again. Jennifer seems to be growing more paranoid about it, as she should, and she tells him that she really thought that he needed to get the sticker off the window ASAP. And Darren promised her that he would. So on December 6th, Darren told Jennifer that the sticker was off and you could barely even tell it was ever there, which actually not is not good very enough. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> not good enough. So his truck was photographed on December 8th and the T decal was no longer there. On December 7th, Jennifer texted Darren about Jamie's life insurance payout. She was expecting a $629,000 payment, which she applied for back in November. But the insurance company ended up putting her off and contacting investigators first. Jennifer had also been trying to get access to Jamie's 401k, which had around $390,000 in it. The life insurance policy was discussed again on December 29th, and Jennifer still hadn't been granted any access to the money, and she was expressing her frustrations about it. On January 5th, Jennifer came up with what Darren called a quote-unquote great idea. She said that if she ran out of money before the insurance paid out, 
She could just tell people she was going to live with Darren to help him out with the girls, which were Darren's daughters, in exchange for room and board. So <laughs> we're going to leave. We're going to go states away to live with somebody. To be a live-in nanny. So over the next few days, this charming couple sent each other many sappy love texts, and they continued to pat themselves on the back for being so amazing together. On January 10th, detectives asked Jennifer to come in for that interview the following day, the same day they were going to arrest Darren. After the officer called her on the 10th, Jennifer told Darren that the police wanted to talk to her again. He asked her if she knew what time the interview was, and she said she didn't know. Jennifer told Darren not to text her the next day because she was going to reset her phone to delete the messages. They also discussed what Jennifer was going to say during the interview. Jennifer was extremely nervous, but Darren told her it would all be fine. She said that she would tell the police that Darren was just an old friend going through a tough time and that they talked every night because Jennifer was just giving him support with his kids because he was a single dad. After your husband died, this is going to be the deal. Like, yeah. you're giving this man support. Obviously, it just doesn't make sense It really makes no at sense. All. No, yeah. However, thanks to the evidence from these text messages, investigators confirmed that Jennifer was an active participant in at least the cover-up of Jamie's murder. But they still wanted to gather evidence that she actually helped to plan it. Since they knew that Jennifer was busy trying to destroy evidence faster than they were finding it, they filed for a federal warrant to charge Jennifer with obstructing justice by destructing or concealing a tangible object with the intent to obstruct an investigation. Doing it this way was a way to get Jennifer behind bars so that they could continue their investigation without her being able to interfere. Jennifer was arrested on February 24th for this charge. She faced up to 20 years in federal prison, and of course she pleaded not guilty. Prosecutors said that Jennifer had been in communication with the alleged killer, urging him to destroy evidence and to delete incriminating messages, all while posing as a grieving widow who was desperate for answers. The ATF said, quote, Sometimes things just aren't what they seem. Special agents and detectives knew Mrs. Faith was hiding something and were able to expose her darkest secrets. She was indeed entangled with the man we believe to have murdered her husband. Her cowardly attempts to utilize the media to conceal her involvement did not hamper relentless investigators. She will now face the consequences for her misdeeds. At some point after Jennifer was arrested, she actually had the audacity to request $200,000 from Jamie's estate to be transferred into her commissary account, which, Melissa, what would someone do with $200,000 in commissary money? What would you think would be like if... If you were in prison. Honestly, yeah. I mean, like, you can buy honey buns, which you can exchange for other things. I mean, I guess you could just – I don't even know. I feel like it could get you pretty far, but – Well, yeah, you'd be, like, the most popular person in there, right? But like, all, Well, then you get it robbed from you, so you can't do that. I mean, true. this is just – prison 101 but also like why wouldn't you want that for like your attorney or something like right to try and get you out why on she earth would you be care. like she just wants honey snacks. buns for yeah. days <laughs> which i can get i can right. i can understand we're going to get into the rest of the story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors I don't know about you, Mandy, but my relationship with food is tied very closely with my mood. When I'm sad, I eat. When I'm happy, I also eat. Bored, eating again. And because of that, food is really a coping mechanism for me. And sometimes I just don't even care what I'm eating. I just need to eat something. 
Thanks to Noom, though, I can see that a little better now. And I also know that food's not really a bad thing. Most holidays and events are really centered around food. Food is awesome. And with Noom, I can also see that food is simply food, devoid of the need for labels or judgment. Noom just empowers individuals by equipping them with tools and knowledge to make informed choices that align with their goals without unnecessary limitations. With Noom, you're in control. You determine how it fits into your life, even if it's just a couple of minutes every day. But the biggest perk for me is that Noom focuses on progress, not perfection, which eliminates the feeling of failure when veering off track. Thanks to Noom, my relationship with food has become really more effortless and it's positively impacting my mood and my stress levels. I also really love the app's flexibility because I can really dive deep one day and maybe just read a little snippet the next. I can give as much or as little as I want without self-disappointment. So if you're like me and you're tired of feeling tired and ready to embrace progress, give Noom a try. I know when I feel better, I'm more capable as a mother, wife, friend, and honestly, just a human on this earth. I love that I'm not constrained by a rigid eating plan, but rather enjoy the flexibility offered by the app. Stop chasing health trends and build sustainable, healthy habits with Noom's psychology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash moms. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash moms to sign up for your trial today. Check out Noom's first ever book, The Noom Mindset, a deep dive into the psychology of behavior change. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. When I'm at my best, I really feel like there's nothing I can't take on. But let's be real, life always doesn't go that way, and sometimes I feel like I'm stuck in a rut or even like a penguin learning to fly. That's why I really enjoy working with a therapist to help me be the best me. When my mental game is strong, I'm ready to tackle any wild curveballs life throws at me, whether it's something big and life-changing or just trying desperately to keep up with my kids' schedules. If you're itching to dip your toes into the therapy pool, BetterHelp is like a magic wand for your mental well-being. It's got all the bells and whistles you could ask for, like convenience, flexibility, affordability, and it's all online. With just a few clicks and a quick questionnaire later, you'll be matched with a therapist who's tailor-made for you. And if you feel like it's not a perfect match with your therapist, that's okay. You can switch to a new one without spending an extra penny. So say goodbye to the headaches of traditional therapy and say a big hello to BetterHelp. Therapy has been my secret weapon to keeping my brain from going totally rogue. When I'm left alone with my thoughts for too long, I really become my own arch nemesis, but therapy really helps me refocus on what truly matters and to get my priorities straight. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash moms today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash moms. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. 
You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for Dash Pass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. Dash Pass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with Dash Pass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for Dash Pass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were discussing Jennifer's outrageous request for $200,000 of Jamie's estate to be put into her commissary fund. And uh, I'm... I'm glad to say that that had been denied. So investigators, though, continue to look into Jennifer's role in her husband's murder. They comb through her entire Google account, like the search histories, emails, everything. And they find out that Jennifer and Darren had first reconnected in March of 2020. So in these messages, it shows that Darren tells Jennifer about his TBI that he had suffered while he was in the military and that he was now on disability. Jennifer asked him for details about his TBI and said that she had treated many patients with TBI over the years. In April of 2020, Jennifer started concocting these elaborate stories about how Jamie, her husband, was physically and sexually abusive towards her. None of this is true, though. Jamie never harmed Jennifer in any way, but Darren really has no reason not to believe Jennifer. Despite having just been in contact with Darren for a couple of weeks, this affair was already full speed ahead. An April 6th email from Darren to Jennifer reads, quote, Hello, Angel. I love and miss you so much. I know today has been horrible again. I am proud of you. You are so beautiful and lovely. I take you in my arms and hold you tight. Feel my love all around you. I am here still with you. Nothing he can do to stop my love for you. You are amazing. You are being so strong for us. You have my love always. Nothing can stop that. He cannot destroy us no matter how hard he tries. I am with you. I am sending you my love and energy. I am here, not going anywhere. Keep dreaming of our life together. Keep planning our lives together. You are my soulmate and I need you in my life. You are still so sexy. My desire for you has only grown. To be the man to truly love you. Nothing can keep me from you. Angel, I am your rock, your solace. I am here always as you wish, again with that, D. Also in April, Jennifer created two fake email accounts and used them to send fake emails to Darren, pretending to actually be Jamie. On April 9th, an email read, quote, I got your email from Jen's phone. 
I would normally call you to discuss this, but I don't want this to be an angry conversation, so it's easier for me to send you an email and hope we can settle this in a civil manner. So, man to man, I'm telling you to stay away from my family. It's obvious that you and Jen can't keep your communications to a friendship, so I'm asking that you stop communicating with Jen, end quote. So this is Jennifer writing to her secret lover, posing as her husband, but also trying to, like, seems like trying to end the relationship or trying to get... Yeah. Or is she just trying to, like, provoke him to, like, get upset and feel, like, threatened or feel like he's being infringed upon in some way? Yeah. That's kind of how I took it more like, are you going to fight for me? You know, or or where is this going to go? But either way, very wild to do something like this. I like mostly that she's like, listen, I would normally just call you and talk to you. There's no reason for me not to do that except I don't want to blow up. It has nothing to do that... You would realize that this is Jen and not my husband. You know, she, like, literally explains away all of that. Honestly, though, like we said before, with 500 text messages a day being sent as herself, I can't imagine having the time to catfish on the side. Like, Yeah, it's a double catfish in this. That's a lot of work to do for this. On May 8th, Jennifer, who is posing as her husband Jamie in this email, sends Darren another email. And this one she wrote, quote, Has she been telling you everything like she's supposed to? I have a feeling she stopped talking to you about what's going on. I am finally going to get what I want from her this weekend. Make sure to ask her about it, end quote. So in this email, it's actually implied that Jennifer is going to be sexually assaulted by multiple men. And her husband's like, hey, make sure you check in with her. You might want to see if I'm telling the truth. What in the world? Yeah. So the next day, Jennifer, who is still posing as her husband, Jamie sends photos of old injuries that she had actually sustained in a car accident back in 2012. And the photos are eight years old, but she sends them to Darren, and she alleges that these injuries are from her husband, Jamie, beating her. That These are current photos and that oh she's been gosh. beaten. Wow. Like, just the even idea of sending, like, photos from a car accident and saying, like, my husband did this to me is, like... It's just making it, I mean, it's once again like putting yourself, we see this, I feel like now I've noticed that we see this almost every time that somebody puts themselves in the hero slash victim victim place and just like puts the other person, the actual victim in such a negative light to make themselves look better. It's just horrible. Yeah, it's terrible. So these emails that were being sent from, you know, Catfish Jennifer continued through August. And during that time, Jennifer sent other emails that alleged that Jamie was sexually assaulting Jennifer. Some of the emails were extremely sexually graphic with descriptions and sometimes even fake photos of exactly how Jamie had been sexually assaulting Jennifer. I talked to Haley about it. She did not even include the emails in the research she sent us. She did read them, but she said they're like so horrific and so gross. So I don't even know what what contents were, and I would rather not. So I appreciate that she took one for the team. But she said that those emails were um, just, like, absolutely just so – and knowing that they're made up. Because the fact that, like, Jennifer came up with these ideas, like, and they weren't even true. It's like, what's going on in your head that you even conjured up some of these fake stories and things? So in May, a second email address was actually set up in the name of a male coworker that worked with Jennifer. We'll call him George. This is a real person that works with Jennifer. Jennifer had Darren believe that George was somebody who could help her get out of this abusive situation with Jamie. And she even told Darren that he could email George himself. 
Of course, as we said, George is really just Jennifer dressed up in a new email address. So Darren actually did send an email to who he believed was George, and it said, quote, Hello, I am the friend of Jen Faith. I reconnected with her in mid-March. I was the one putting a smile on her face. I think she mentioned me to you. Not positive, though. I'm writing to ask you for your help. Jamie, Jen's husband, is physically and sexually abusing her. I'm asking if you're willing to get involved and help Jen get out of the situation. First, you can check in with Jen. I told her last night I wanted to contact you, and she gave me your email. So in this email, Darren also included a photo of a bloody lip that he believed was Jennifer's, but in reality, it wasn't. It was actually a close-up of a stock image of a bloody lip that Jennifer had just oh downloaded gosh. off the internet. Yeah. Jennifer assumed the identity of George on multiple other occasions between May and August. She sent more emails that falsely claimed that Jamie was physically and sexually abusing her, and many times she included photographs. Darren also sent more emails to this person he thinks is George, where he's expressing his concern about Jennifer's safety. It was clear to the investigators who were, were finding all of this evidence that Darren definitely believed with his whole heart that all of this was real and that Jennifer was in real danger. He believed that mm. he was in communication with Jamie. He believed that he was in communication with Jennifer's coworker and he completely fully believed that Jennifer was being abused horribly by her husband. So on May 20th, Darren wrote to George again that he wouldn't feel better about Jennifer's situation until she was out of the house and away from Jamie for good. He joked that he had even offered to, quote, put a bullet in Jamie's head, but Jennifer kept telling him no. And then when, after he tells George this in this email, he wrote, he writes LOL at the end. So George, a.k.a. Jennifer, responds back to this and says, quote, I'm also very concerned, and if it were up to me, I would tell you to go for it with your idea. LOL, I'll give you an alibi. So this story was actually later covered on 48 Hours, and detectives said in those interviews that they felt these emails were intended to do nothing more than provoke Darren into killing Jamie in order to protect Jennifer. Uh, both of these fake email accounts were actually deleted in early September. They She deleted them back to back about two minutes apart from each other. But yeah, wild that she created these two emails, and I still don't even really understand i mean i guess like the police said it was all part of her plan to manipulate him but that's crazy to yeah. me that she did that, that she did all that and sent photographs like fake photographs of terrible things you know of women with with injuries and say t you know telling him that this is her and that she's been hurt this badly at the hands right. of jamie and so really just to manipulate him fully yeah so at this point, investigators remembered back to that GoFundMe that had been set up by Jamie and Jennifer's neighbor, this one that had drawn in $60,000. And so they wanted to know what Jennifer actually did with that money. They found out that on October 13th, Jennifer took out about $30,000 out of the GoFundMe. And over the next few days, she withdrew another $13,000. The rest of the money would be taken out a few weeks later. So Jennifer took these funds and put it into an account that she later gave Darren access to with a credit card as well as another American Express card. These cards were actually found in Darren's belongings when his property was searched. Jennifer had also sent Darren an email talking about how her AMX had no limit and the visa she gave him had a $35,000 limit. She told Darren that he was welcome to use the cards anytime he wanted and that she would pay the bills each month. 
Jennifer also used the money from the GoFundMe to buy gifts for Darren and his daughters, and one of which, of course, was that flat-screen TV that they found still in the box at his home. Jennifer actually bought the TV in Texas and paid $317 to ship it to Darren in Tennessee. Wouldn't Amazon be, like, quite a bit cheaper to just... I don't understand that. Like, I feel like there's so many easier ways, but, like, I could see my mom thinking she had to do something like that, being like, oh, I have bought this big, huge gift, and, like, now I have to get it to the person, not realizing you should just, like, ship it to their house and then... You know, like buy it online Never and ship it to, to their house. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're also talking about like people like my mom's age too. Like she doesn't do a lot of online shopping anyway, you know. So like the idea of even going online to buy a TV and having it shipped to someone probably wouldn't occur to her. And maybe that's what happened here. But yeah, I thought it was yeah. like, so weird that she bought a Oof. big screen TV and paid to have it shipped to another state. And like <laughs> – TVs are just cheaper now, so it really does just – Right. My brain could not compute this whatsoever. In January of 2021, Jennifer paid for Darren and his three daughters to fly to Arizona. So because it was determined that the GoFundMe was used fraudulently, GoFundMe offered a refund to anyone that had donated, but it doesn't appear that Jennifer or Darren were charged with anything that was related to the GoFundMe. After uncovering all of this new information – It was now believed that Jennifer was the one who orchestrated Jamie's whole murder and she manipulated Darren using his TBI that she knew about to her advantage to kill her husband. They said that she was the puppet master and Darren was her puppet. The motive for the murder was really thought to be pretty simple. She wanted to be with Darren instead of Jamie. And she also stood to gain about a million dollars in total between life insurance and his 401k. The investigator felt that all the gifts that Jennifer lavished on Darren and his daughters was essentially this payment for this hit on Jamie's life. On September 28, 2021, Jennifer was finally charged with a federal count of murder for hire. This meant that she would also be facing the death penalty. Prosecutor said, quote, Miss Faith's alleged murder for hire scheme was depraved and calculated. She preyed on her boyfriend's protective instinct and his pocketbook in order to convince him to execute her husband. Jamie Faith's brutal murder was a tragedy. His death has been a double blow to his family and friends, who had just begun to absorb the news of his murder when they were confronted with evidence of his wife's alleged involvement. We are committed to getting justice for Jamie and to holding both Miss Faith and Mr. Lopez accountable for their alleged crimes. Once Jennifer was arrested, Darren ended up finding out that everything Jennifer claimed about being abused was in fact a lie. He found out that she created those fake email accounts and everything that she sent him as far as photographs was all fake. Jennifer tried to play it off like the police were the ones that were just making all this up. She sent Darren a letter that said, quote, Just a quick note to say I never lied to you and I never sent you emails from any account but mine as me. There's a ton more I wish I could say, but I can't right now, end quote. The, the beginning of that just a quick note is such a like, I hope this email finds you well right. thing to write somebody who's literally in prison <laughs> waiting to go to trial for your husband's murder. Yeah. So Darren still declined to speak with the investigators, but in the end, it didn't matter because it ended up being Jennifer who eventually sat down with officers and confessing to everything. Finally, for the first time, she admitted that she was having an affair with Darren and that she had lied about being abused and she created fake email accounts to back up those fake claims. She also told them that it was Darren who had shot Jamie when they went out for their morning walk, and she confirmed that he had, in fact, traveled from out of state to commit the murder, making this a federal offense. 
Jennifer admitted to helping Darren conceal the evidence by deleting texts, having him remove the sticker on his truck, making up the fake story for the police, and everything else. And she admitted that she had lied to the police and to the media. Jennifer also admitted to using the funds from the GoFundMe to buy gifts and pay credit card bills for Darren and his kids. Her confessions were used to lay out a plea agreement where Jennifer would plead guilty to a federal charge of commissioning a murder for hire, and then the obstruction charge would be dropped in exchange. The prosecution would also recommend a life sentence instead of the death penalty. Part of that deal was also that Jennifer would be waiving her right to ever appeal. On February 7th, 2022, Jennifer officially pleaded guilty to orchestrating Jamie's murder. Months later, in June, she was sentenced to life in federal prison. Prosecutors said, quote, Miss Faith put on quite a performance in the wake of her husband's murder. She poured out her sob story to reporters and law enforcement, then headed home to orchestrate her cover-up. But crocodile tears didn't stop the feds. We were committed to getting justice for Jamie, and with the judge's imposition of a life sentence this afternoon, we're one step closer, end quote. In April of 2022, Jennifer's second husband, a man named Rick, who she was married to in the early 2000s, told 48 Hours that Jennifer claimed her first husband was physically, mentally, emotionally, and sexually abusive. Rick described it as shocking and said that Jennifer told him things that led him to a point where he actually wanted to kill the guy, and that feeling lasted for a long time. However, eventually Jennifer told Rick he couldn't kill her daughter's father. Rick tried to get her to go to police about this abuse that she claimed to have endured, but she refused. Rick described Jennifer as having the type of personality that could draw men in, and she was very good at playing the victim. He actually said she was the most evil person he'd ever come into contact with. Despite agreeing to waive her right to appeal... Jennifer, of course, filed one anyway in January of 2023, and of course, it was denied. So she's currently serving her time at FCI Aliceville in Alabama, which is where she should spend the rest of her life as long as she doesn't somehow have a successful appeal later. As for Darren, he has still yet to be convicted of anything. He did meet with detectives after Jennifer pleaded guilty, and he gave a full confession of his own. He said that he was in a very dark place when he reconnected with Jennifer and that he didn't initially intend to get romantic with her or to break up her family. He said that murdering Jamie was actually all Jennifer's idea, but he admitted to driving from Tennessee to Texas to do it for her. Although Darren did give a confession and he was cooperating with the investigators, he still ended up pleading not guilty. Darren's attorney has publicly stated that Jennifer took advantage of Darren, who suffered a traumatic brain injury in the Army. They said she preyed on his military background, which made him want to protect people. Jamie's close friends also agreed with this. They feel that Jennifer is the most responsible for Jamie's murder and that she preyed on Darren to get it done. As of this recording, Darren's murder trial is set to begin on July 21st, 2023. His federal case for the interstate gun charge is still pending in the federal court system, and there's no future hearing scheduled at this time. The last entry on his case file was made back in March of 2021, so it's entirely possible that they are waiting to find out whether or not Darren will be convicted of murder before they move forward with that. This is such a wild story, and it reminds me of a story we told a while ago, and I'll link it in the show notes, I just can't remember it right offhand, where the wife was saying she was pregnant and her husband had been abusing her and wanting this guy to 
to come and take care of it, this guy she was having an affair with. Kind of a very, very, very similar story, but it's like such a weird manipulation. I mean, it's just evil manipulation to use someone's concern for you, use your love in that way, like their love for you in a way to make them think that's the only way you can be, you know, saved or whatever. And meanwhile, you're literally creating up email aliases and like you said, catfishing people. It's, It's wild. Yeah, there there was a lot to this one, a lot going on. And it's it's really incredibly sad. Whenever I was reading about Jamie and like about how people felt yeah. about him, it was clear that he was really such a great guy. And right. it always makes me that much more upset when people lie about people who really are good people and try to say that they were abusive and you know, to the, going to the level, like, in after their death, that's so disrespectful yeah. to say that, like, you know, to be sending photos, of, like, gruesome photos of injured women, you know, in close-ups and saying, this is what he did to me, and, like, making another person think that, like, it's just, it's sick. Like you said, it's evil. It's very sick. It is. Yeah. I just feel for his daughters. I feel for her daughter. I mean, just everyone that knew Jamie, just like so many lives were destroyed because of what? She had gotten divorced before. Why couldn't she get divorced again? It doesn't make any sense. It's just sad. Yeah. It's really terrible. Okay, Melissa. Well, that was the story for this week. Let's move on and do a little bit of last thing before we go, before we go. I think both of us are having a very busy, active night at our houses tonight. Everyone's moving around. The editing I'm going to have to do just of doors being closed in the background for no good reason. (laughs) We can't figure out why our children, husbands, everyone in this house are closing doors just constantly. So if you hear it, guess what? You didn't hear it. I've just missed it. And it never happened. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for last thing before we go, we've been the last couple of weeks playing some little, well, they've really been like car games, like road trip games kind of, but we're not on a road trip. But people listening might be, right? Yeah, that's true. You could be on a road trip. Um, So we have done a couple different ones. This week, I kind of stole a little bit of an idea from – I can't – and I wish I had their name in front of me. I had saw the email come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw an email come in, and it was from somebody on Patreon, um, and they were saying that they played a similar game to the one we did last week where we were – well, the one we did last week – we were trying to remember items, like a whole right. list of items. Okay, so this week, it's kind of like the same thing. Like, for example, Melissa, our theme this week is going to be things that we need to have a great Mother's Day okay. or the Mother's Day of your dreams or whatever you want to say. Things right. to have a great Mother's Day. So we're going to start off where the first one will start with letter A, something that starts with letter A, and then we'll move on. Next person goes to letter B, but it's all things that are going to make you have a great Mother's Day. So Okay. It can be funny. Right. It can be serious. It can be not serious. It can be sarcastic. That's probably where I'm going to land. <laughs> All right. Do you want to start with A or you want me to? I guess you can start. You okay. Have a, here we go. If you have something in mind that starts with A. I can come up with one. Um, okay. So A, I'm going to say um, an apple pie. I love apple pie. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm going to say berry pancakes. Ooh, that's good. C, I'm going to say chance to watch my shows. Okay, I like it. All right, D, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, I just want to say donuts, but I've already had so much food. Okay, that's all we're, right. we're only early in the alphabet and I've already eaten everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> donuts is a good one, though. Okay, that's um, sure. E, uh, uh, earplugs. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, F, family. Oh, that's good. Oh. G, um, GTFO. 
Actually, I'm going to say that. GTFO. <laughs> yes. Yes, actually. Um, okay. H, horseback riding. That would help you have a good Mother's Day. I enjoy it. It's something. Then I you know what doing. I'm going to do? Icy hot, because I'm going to need that after this little <laughs> horse riding adventure. Okay. J, um, let's say. <laughs> I don't know. You got it. Um, jelly. Jelly. Like a Beyonce dance? Like, you're going to yeah, dance to yeah. Jelly by Beyonce. Yes. That's what you said. Jelly by Beyonce. Okay. There you go. There That's you what we go. Need. We need music, okay. of course. <laughs> there you go. K, I'm going to say kids at my mother in law's house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so L, Love is Blind Season 5. Say Love five. and I'm going to turn off. Lo- okay. Love is Blind Season 5 came out early. Ooh, I like it. M, muting everyone in the house. I mean, really, yes. I just want it to be quiet. Are you getting a theme here? Yes. N, naps. Perfect. O, ocean time. Yes. Uh, P, party hats. (laughs) Q, questions are answered by your father. Okay. Okay, R, rhinestone encrusted. I don't even care where it goes after this. What are you talking about? How is that where you ended up with R? I don't even have another option, but rhinestone encrusted something. I've been looking up a lot of rhinestone things lately okay, well, because that makes more sense. I'm going to a very important and very fun concert in a couple of weeks. I'm super excited about. And Who is it? And you haven't told me. It's Stevie Country. Nicks. Re- oh, really? Yeah, she's coming oh, to Orlando. Cool. My husband oh, and I are nice. going. So I have rhinestones on the brain because, like, everything I've been like searching for to wear, I'm like, I want it to be sparkly and like really extra because. I don't. There, no, re, there's no, there's no reason. <laughs> I truly cannot believe you're going to see Stevie Nicks, and I'm not. But that's a whole I'm different so conversation. Okay, yeah. rhinestones makes sense. Okay, okay, all right. S. Oh, oh sleeping in, sleeping in. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. T. Trying not to see anyone all day. <laughs> no, that's a good one. You utterly no noise. Perfect. Yes. Okay. V, vasectomies. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay. Um, v, W, um, washing. Oh, this is going to be weird. Washing my body in silence. I was like, going to say, no I don't want to anything. <laughs> I know. I'm like, as I started it, I was like, I want to get out of this one. But washing my body. But like, let me take a shower and no one try to like fidget with the like, you can unlock my doors so easy in my bathroom, and somebody's always, like, slamming it open. So washing myself in silence. Washing my body in silence. Okay. Okay. X? Yeah, good luck. Okay. Um, xylophone professional player. <laughs> xylophone professional player. Okay. Why yelling at the person who brought me a xylophone player? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Z? Zany? I do not want to be at your house for Mother's Day. It sounds absolutely horrific. Um, But for anyone that is a mom or has a mom or loves a mom or knows a mom, I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day. And it's not always an easy holiday for everyone. We know that. So uh, we're thinking of you if if it's not an ideal Mother's Day. All right, guys. That is the episode for this week. I think that's it. Right, Melissa? Do we it have has anything? to be it. We've I gotta been get talking this thing for so long. 
Let's be done here. We've done enough damage. All right, guys. We will see you back next week. Same time, same place. New story. Have a great week. Bye.